Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Today in history, in 2001, Apple introduced iTunes, a digital media player application that, with the year's later debut of the iPod, revolutionized digital music. Welcome to What the Fuck History, where we discuss the wackiest and weirdest things that make us say, well, what the fuck history. I'm your host, Zachary, and I'll be your Huckleberry. My name is Megan, and my uh, newfound romance book obsession has led me into the Omegaverse. For those of you that know, you know. And I'm Matt. My Today I Learned was taught to me by Zach's partner, Liz, when she sent me a text at near midnight to say, Do you know that tax day is on April 15th because it's the same day the Titanic sunk and the people thought it would be easier for Americans to remember? To which I replied, Did you know that the pool of the Titanic is still full? <laughs> it is still full. It is still full. It is still full. <laughs> Uh, she also it's hard, I, it's hard to <laughs> empty I just need the people to know that the way that Liz sent me that text first of all it's it was fucking 1156 when she <laughs> sent me the text and she sent me the text and the first thing that it said was happy January 6th <laughs> and I immediately questioned your choice in women because I thought she was celebrating the sacking of the Capitol in the American. <laughs> but uh, no, she was. I think Maybe she was she just was. saying. Maybe. I think that was just her saying hello. Yeah, and I was like, was. What, if, what if Liz is a sleeper agent? I was like, what a weird way to say hello. <laughs> and then I called her out. I was like, way to say happy sixth four minutes before the seventh. <laughs> well that's okay she turned to me as she was sending that and after she sent the message about the titanic and she's like is it funnier if i send him a boat and then an iceberg or a boat and then an ice cube and i was like an ice cube go with an ice cube yeah and then i had a i told her the other crucial part of the titanic story which is that <laughs> the only reason they ran into an iceberg is because the binoculars were locked in a safe and they okay. couldn't well, get it open. They couldn't get it open. The captain had the key. You gotta, you gotta keep him safe. Nobody dude. could find the captain. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck, dude. Maybe he uh, was getting it. Maybe he was fucking. Like, he we, might yeah. have been. He might have been fucking someone and uh, or steaming up the uh, the windows the of, of a car. carriage. Yeah. All I'm saying is like we'll never know because he's dead. He is dead for sure. <laughs> he was supposed to go down, down with, with the, the ship. He was going down on something, that's for sure. He was going down on something, and that's that's fact. That's a historical fact. Guys, you heard it here first. The captain of the Titanic made the ship go down because he was going down on someone else. 
Um, you don't yeah. have to check in with that. You can just bring that right to the bank. You can uh, <laughs> talk about it in history class uh, if you're still in school. All right, listeners, Honestly, we have reset our strikes to zero, and we've played a completely illusory game of rock, paper, scissors. And tonight, the order is Zach, followed by Megan, and I am the caboose. Yes, indeed. The noble indeed, caboose. Indeed, indeed. The noble caboose. The noble caboose. Um, Without you me, tell. the train doesn't have a butt. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Jeez. Okay. And on that note, um, and on that folks, bombshell, it's time to end. <laughs> folks, I am not sure if you as the audience or even if you, Matt and Megan, uh, are aware of this, but I fucking love the movie Tombstone. Yes. Um, it is by far one of the were. greatest pieces of film ever made. Uh, I feel like there has to be something, like, not okay with Tombstone because just the fact that it was made in the early 90s, like, <laughs> something feels awful about it, but I love it nonetheless. <laughs> That's like, okay. You can like what you like. Like, it's it's one of those things that just because of the decade that it was made, I feel like there's something bad about it, but I can't pinpoint what it is. It just there's seems good in nothing to me. bad about it, first of all. Okay, all right. Secondly, I feel vindicated. I do know how much you love this movie, and I'll explain how I know. Listeners, this is a very short story, but get comfy all the same. Zach, one day, I was home for whatever reason, and I posted in our combined D&D chat and said, I think I'm going to watch Tombstone. And from my house, I could hear Zach, who lived in Boston at the time, go, Do it! <laughs> and then I did. And then I uh, fell in love with Val Kilmer. So... so I, I love that, and definitely a true story, but I think that's funny because I, I think I watch Tombstone like three times a year. Yeah. At this fair, point. like Fair enough. It's constantly like, I'll like be browsing through something and whatever like streaming service I have that it's on, I just go, oh, what if I just watch Tombstone again? <laughs> oh shit, that's on. That's like that's Tyler on. and the Lord of the Rings. Yeah, he loves Lord of the Rings. I, I feel love like Lord of the he, Rings too. I feel like he climbs to the okay, but like I feel like he climbs to the top of that mountain multiple times a year. Yes, uh, I, I I love the Lord of the Rings, but I need to be like that is a journey, and I need to be ready for that journey. Like Tombstone is Tombstone is a two and a half hour jaunt. Like it's not a short trip, but it's like a trip I can take and not be like, all right, whatever. Uh, Lord of the Rings, I have to watch the extended editions, so that means uh, three days is out the window. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like I can watch Tombstone in one sitting. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, it helps I that there Tombstone. also aren't Tombstone sequels to like. Yeah, exactly. Like that story wraps up at the end. <laughs> We should continue. Yeah, and, and again, I, I I definitely watch Tombstone like two to three times a year, and I think that informs you a lot about me as a person. Um, and if it does, well, buckle up, partner, because it's about to get wild tonight. Um, 
Because the best part of the movie, as Matt alluded to, by far, is Val Kilmer, uh, Val Kilmer as Doc Holliday. Uh, Val's performance in this movie and him as Jim Morrison makes up for him playing Batman a hundred times over. This man can commit no cinema sins, in my opinion. Like, he's, he's perfect. Maybe I, I should him. watch it. <laughs> um, but with that pontificate... Like, you're selling it. What? You're selling it. Like, um, maybe I should watch it. You've never seen Tombstone? you haven't seen Tombstone is frankly criminal. It's criminal. It's it's a shame. We're going to stop the podcast. We're going to go watch jail. that movie, and then we'll resume. Okay, well, we'll, we'll stop the podcast. I'll, I'll watch Tombstone, and we'll come back two and a half hours later. <laughs> no, we'll, you should definitely watch it, and then, like, tell us your opinion. Tell us for your sure, opinion. Though. Tell us your thoughts. Yeah. Uh, but What if I hate it? Honestly, um, if you hate it, we're disbanding this podcast. Okay. <laughs> no, I wouldn't put it that far, but I will. It will be a stain on your character. I'm not gonna lie. Damn. <laughs> it's oh my god. It's a movie you can't hate. It's really good. It's really good. <laughs> You're like putting a lot of pressure on Look, it. Almost you know as it's much pressure as anybody it. puts on the original Star Wars, or Indiana Jones, or Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a good movie. Bandits. I think you'll enjoy it. Yeah, it's very good. Okay. Um, but with the pontification and movie recommendations over, I do want to talk about Doc Holliday. Because the level of... I he, he just has this level of hitting the fuck it button that I aspire to. It is It is beautiful. His life was a fucking whirlwind and amazing. Um... So a little bit of a short aside, I was talking to my therapist the other day and about how much I like, I took a bunch of TVs from a corporation because fuck corporations. And she was like, I didn't expect this level of deviancy from you. And I was like, lady, get ready because I strive to be a silly little goose who chooses chaos. And that is just what Doc Holliday yeah, like, did with his life all the time. Like, what do you mean you didn't expect it? Like, leave me alone. Like, we've been having sessions for like over a month now. You should know I'm, I'm a deviant little goose. Yeah, like, have you not uh, been listening? Like, who are you? I, I, I'm silly. I'm just in my pond being silly. Um, so, getting really back on track here, John Henry Holiday was born August 14th, 1851, which, of course he was. He has such big Leo energy. As a Leo myself, I feel you, homie. The world is, in fact, your stage, <laughs> and everybody else is a bit player. They better get with the fucking program. God. <laughs> The Leo energy is so strong. It is so strong. Um, not a whole lot important happens early in John Holiday's life, except that his mother and his sister both get and die of tuberculosis when John is 15. Yeah, I mean, Hell yeah, yeah, but like par for the course. I mean, it's significant, but it's not like a lot to go into. Some people die. It's the 1880, 1850s, you know, people die a lot. Uh, and at the age of 21, John earns a degree in dentistry from the Pennsylvania College of Dental Surgery, uh, which is why they call him Doc and is absolutely definitive proof that, yes, dentists are doctors. Yeah, I mean, I, Days, I can't I do think dentists. dentistry was just giving someone a hammer and a chisel. Um, 
No, there was actually a lot of like things that he did. Like, uh, there's at one point I didn't go into detail because I don't think it was like that important about his dental career. But like, he wins a bunch of awards at some point for like m- helping make vulcanized rubber that's better for like helping like with patients. Uh, and he makes like he gets like an award for like the best crown or something. It's like a tooth replacement. It's wild. Um, wow, what an interesting award that dentists make up for themselves. <laughs> special made up they're dentist like awards. Oh, we'll win this ah yes another dentist <gasps> good dentist good dentist um good dentistry dentist <laughs> dentist, doctor, dentist, doctor, dentist doctor 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 dentist dentist uh he uh grew up in georgia and he stays in georgia uh and he sets up a dental practice um pretty early on after college but he doesn't really get very far in his dental practice, because he develops one hell of a cough that doesn't go away, and oops, all tuberculosis happens to Doc Holliday at the ripe old age you of get twenty-one. The Damn. Yeah, he had been like you taking care of his mother and sister while they had tuberculosis, and then he got it, and it kind of laid dormant for like six years, and then it was like, oops, here you go. I love it when that happens. That's kind of crazy, <laughs> right? Um, and Doc not being one to take anything laying down says, fuck it, I'm gonna move to the southwest because clearly the lingering dampness of Georgia ain't doing nothing for my shitty lungs. Sometimes you got shitty lungs. (laughs) What? Sometimes you just got shitty lungs. Sometimes Sometimes you just got shitty lungs. Which, like, I think it's so funny with, like, tuberculosis, where, like, some doctors are like, go live by the ocean, that'll be good for you, and other doctors are like, go live in the desert, it's dry, it'll be good for you. (laughs) Yeah. Pick pick one. I Um, think mostly it's just like, where would you die happier? Yeah. (laughs) We don't have hospice care in 1850, so, like, where do you want to die, bro? The sea or the desert? I don't know. Pick your poison. Yeah. Take your poise. Um, Doc ends up moving towards Texas, and, and in good consciousness, he can't really keep up with a dental practice due to his illness, which is really bad at the time. And so he starts a new career. Uh, and any guesses on what that career is? He shoots people for fun watch- and money. No, I not didn't quite. watch Tombstone. <laughs> That's why you can guess without being like <laughs> you can, without have being influenced. I don't know. I just feel like I don't know enough about this person. Like, <laughs> this is the first time I'm learning about this. Fair enough. Okay, so uh, as a career, Doc Holliday decides to become a gambler because apparently gambling is a normal and reputable profession at this time. Like, is it? Which is great. Like, man, I hope when we get to our inevitable apocalypse, we don't go full Dark Ages. We just go back to the Old West so I can be a grifter and a drifter and a general hoodlum. And people will be like, oh, yeah, that totally checks out. Like, it's just Con and Johnson. He gambles and drinks and cheats people out of their money and they love it for her. Like... People are so happy. People are so happy that to get swindled by Zachary Kahn and Johnson that they're just like, fuck it. I'll lose a hundred bills to this motherfucker. (laughs) Zachary Kahn and Johnson. That's his real name. (laughs) You guys know how to call him out by his government now. By my government, Kahn and Johnson. (laughs) Anyway. That's his name. 
Between 1875 and 1877, Doc's life is mostly one big blur of moving, gambling, and fighting. Uh, with some noble, notable yeah. highlights being Doc getting into a knife fight in Denver, Colorado, where he almost stabs a man to death before just upping and leaving. Hanging out in Deadwood for a bit, which was like the gold rush town at the time. Moving to Beckenridge, Texas, where he gets into a fight with a man who he beats the shit out of with his walking stick. You know, like a gentleman. Of course. Okay, well, what Before, was that guy doing? Being an asshole? Yeah, they were, so. just being, they were just being an asshole, and Doc Holliday was like, uh, I'm a gentleman and a scholar, so I'm going to beat the shit out of you with this fancy cane. Uh, <laughs> uh, and the guy later was a little perturbed about being wrapped around the head with a piece of wood, so he comes back a day later and shoots Doc Holliday so damn bad that everyone thought he was dead. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Spoiler alert, Doc Holliday's like, I'm not letting the consumption take me. Do you think I'm going to let your NPC ass take me out? Fuck you, I'm still alive. And after recovering from, you know, almost being shot to death, Doc moves to Fort Griffin, Texas, where he meets uh, big-nosed Kate, who is wonderful. I love Big-Nosed Kate so much. She is his equal in so many ways and then some. Big-Nosed Kate interesting uh, name. was a highly educated woman who was amazingly brilliant and, like, again, ridiculously smart and ridiculously educated, and she chose to be a prostitute because, according to her, she valued her independence Good for her. Yeah, squeeze. <laughs> like, hell yeah, lady. I love that for you. Uh, she was also the only woman Doc Holiday ever had a relationship with. He fell hard for that woman, and it just, he never looked back. When you know, you know, yeah. you know. Sometimes, when you know, you know, you know. Yeah. Um, and it's he nice knew. to hear about good old rom- fashion romance. Yeah, right? Like, their their romance in many occasions was very uh, toxic because, you know, it's the Old West and Doc Holiday is a riling drunk. Yeah, he's, he's dying of tuberculosis and he's a roaring drunk. So, like, you know... When you know, you know. Have some, when you know, you know. When you know, you know. In all fairness, Big Nose Kate was also a roaring drunk. All right. So, uh, in October of 1877, Doc Holliday meets Wyatt Earp for the first time. Uh, and, Megan, to illuminate you and also our listeners... Uh, who may not know, Wyatt Earp was a very famous Kansas City lawman uh, who is most notable for being the marshal of Kansas City and Wichita, I believe. Like, that general area. He was the U.S. marshal for that area, and he was very good at his job. Um, And... Wyatt Earp and Doc Holliday meet because Wyatt Earp is chasing down a man by the name of Dirty Dave Rutabaga. Yeah, that's a real guy. Yeah, that's his. That was his real name. Dirty his Dave. real name is is Dave Rutabaga, but everyone called him Dirty Dave Rutabaga. Um, that can't be his last name. That can't. It's a real. That can't be his government name. His name is Dave Rutabaga. 
That's not. You can't keep saying it like it's normal. Megan, it is like Dirty Dave Rutabaga. <laughs> would you Would you prefer Dave Dirty Rutabaga? Like, what do you want here? It's the Rutabaga for me. It's the, it's rutabaga, the rutabaga for me. Gotcha. Uh, it's the rutabaga that's throwing that's me. That's the name of the episode. It's the rutabaga for me. We gotta go. We gotta keep going. Uh, hold We're on. never gonna get through down. this podcast. We are gonna get through it. Um, so he's chasing him down. Like Wyatt Earp was like chasing this guy down, and he goes into a saloon and is like, "Hey, have you seen this motherfucker?" And the bartender's like, "I don't know. Go ask this drunk gambler in the corner." And Doc Holliday's like, "Yeah, I've seen him." I'll go get him for you. Yeah. And they make the arrest. It's great. Um, and then Doc. I've seen him. I've seen him. I know this motherfucker. Uh, Doc moves to Dodge City, where Wyatt at the time was acting as the assistant city marshal. Um, and at this point, Doc's like, fuck it. I guess I'll pick up dentistry again because gambling's not paying out that much. Um, I guess. I guess I'll be a dentist again. I guess I'll be a dentist again. It, like, it doesn't really work out that well. He doesn't get a lot of business, and he just starts gambling and drinking again. Which, he like, probably hey. just coughs in one patient's mouth, and they're like, fuck. Well, at this time, he wasn't well, they, contagious. They, were, like, they didn't say fuck. They didn't know anything about germs. They are like, thank, thank you, you sir. <laughs> thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Appreciate that. Good. I appreciate you uh, ensuring my constitution is bettered. Um... <laughs> That's Dr. Spit. That's Dr. Spit. That'll heal you good. <laughs> That'll make you smart. <laughs> that, that's medical spit. You know, <laughs> suck that in. Um, so the Cowboys are a gang that kind of operates in this area, and they're a bunch of fucking assholes. Um, and this, they, this, that sounds right. That's Yeah, that sounds right. So the Cowboy gang starts their shit across the Southwest, and eventually that shit turns up in Dodge City. Um, and in late 1878, two dozen cowboys, including two men by the names of Toby Driscoll and Ed Morrison, uh, whom Wyatt had run out of town months prior, come running through Dodge City, shooting the place to high hell to try and draw out Wyatt Earp. Because they were like, hey, we don't like being called out on our bullshit, so we're going to murder you, but we're going to burn half the town first. I also Again. hate being called out on my bullshit. <laughs> yeah, they're big assholes. And eventually the cowboys head into the saloon and they start harassing customers and tossing the place. And Wyatt, like, kicks in the door <laughs> and is ready to start trouble when two dozen guns turn on him. And he's like, well, fuck. Okay, I guess. Um, I've made a mistake. Yeah, but what the Cowboys didn't realize was Doc was sitting in the back of the room, rip-roaring drunk, and then he just, like, sneaks up behind Ed Morrison and sticks the barrel of the gun to the back of his head and says, like, all right, guys, like, don't do this. I'll kill all of you. I'm Doc fucking Holiday. <laughs> it's like I that just, meme like, of, I like, the I don't understand people... where his, like, how, how did his dentistry give him so many balls? <laughs> I don't know, like... <laughs> Yeah, he's like, there's just like a disconnect because like dentists now are just kind of like dweebs. Yeah, like <laughs> what, what, what happened to like the ballsy dentist of Doc Holiday? They're dweebs that make a lot of money. <laughs> they make a lot more money than yeah, I ever will like, yet. No one wants to fuck a dentist. You know what I'm saying? I, <laughs> I don't know that I do. 
Megan, I love your hot takes. Like, the other night when you said that, like, uh, Mary, what's her name? Fucking from The Grinch. Oh, <laughs> Martha May Huvier? That Martha May Huvier fucks? I was like, okay, all right. And now you're like, no one wants to fuck a dentist. Like, I'm, your, your takes are great. I need them all the time. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you. I just like, but like, am I wrong? You're I not just don't. Wrong. I've never fucked a dentist. Everyone's I don't like, know. <laughs> I think like in terms of doctors, like at the top is that are like most fuckable is probably like neurology and cardiology, and then dentists and podiatrists and urologists are somewhere down at the bottom. Okay, yeah, you're that's right. exactly I, I where that. a urologist wants to be, though. <laughs> okay, the nasty yeah. bastards. So, uh, Doc, Doc ends up saving Wyatt Earp's life in this instance, where he's like, yeah, no, I have the drop on all of you. It's just the it's, meme of everyone in the church where someone's lined up behind another person with a I just want to say, um, yeah. if the audience could send us a message summing up what Zach's story was, if they managed to get through all of Zach's story, <laughs> that'd be great, because we've gone off on so many side splits. So, no, yeah. I, I'm here. Like, I know what Zach's story is about. I'm it, commenting. It's about Doc Holliday. It's about Doc Holliday. Yeah, like, it's just, like, about this guy's life. Like, He's wild. I get it. Um, And so Doc and Wyatt become really good friends after Doc saves his life, basically. Um, and they, like, end up doing yeah. a lot of shenanigans together in the West. Um. In December of 1878, Doc moves to Las Vegas, where he continues to gamble and be a general problem for society. Uh, he leaves on a few side quests, including the Royal George War, which was a pissing contest between two rival railroads. Um, but eventually he just ends up coming back to Vegas. Like, it's a lot of, like, non-important side quests, I guess, in his life. Um, yeah, that's fair. But he makes a lot of money, and he just goes back to Vegas and is like, fuck it. I'll go back to gambling. It's what I love. <laughs> if, you, that, if you do what you love, not, you never work a day in your life. That's not the solution. Yeah. Um, and at that's the time, Las like Vegas... Not, sorry, continue. No, that's just like not like, oh, I've made money. Let me go back and let's gamble again. Yeah. Like, I guess. If you got the money, do it. Uh, so, no! No, that's yeah, exactly how you make money, Megan. Come on, yeah. dude. You gotta spend money to make money, Megan. Have you not All read right. any right. book about business? The first rule of business is spend all your money gambling. <laughs> I read Rich Dad I thought the I first rule was to have a rich dad. dad. I know what I'm doing. I thought it was to have a rich yes, father. Yes, have a rich yeah, father. Right. Spend all his money. Exactly. Um, so at the time in 1878, uh, Las Vegas had outlawed gambling, which oh. seems so kind well, of, you know, like oh, those it's weird. bastards. Uh, it doesn't make any sense. But Doc was. It was still, a weird move. It was but a like, weird whatever. move. But like, okay, it didn't work out in the long run. Um, Doc is still like fine. Like you can outlaw it all you want. I'm still gonna like fucking play cards and win everyone's money. Uh, and he ends up getting fined for a lot of money for it, but he also just is really good at gambling, so he keeps making money. Um, 
And in July of 1879, Doc is gambling and drinking when a man by the name of Mike Gordon comes in absolutely drunk and is trying to convince an old girlfriend to leave Las Vegas with him. And she's like, no, I don't want to do that. And Mike gets rough with her uh, before he's forced to leave the bar. To which Holiday follows him outside and then, ooh, what's this? Mike Gordon ended up dead in the streets? Weird how that happens. He tripped. <laughs> That's he tripped. Yeah, it was an absolutely tripped. tripped on the curb. It absolutely was a he tripped moment. He tripped and somehow had three bullets in the back of his head. I don't know how that happens. <laughs> and so Doc Holliday like continues to putz around Las Vegas for a bit until he gets a call from his good friend Wyatt Earp, and he's like, "Hey, my brothers and I are moving out to Tombstone because Tombstone is like the next boom town, and we think we can make a lot of money there." We're heading there. We hope to see you there. And Holiday moves to Tombstone with Wyatt Earp and his brothers, which leads up to the famous shooting at the OK Corral. Dot, dot, dot. Something I will discuss next time because it deserves its own episode. I can't believe this. I was so into this. <laughs> like, it's, the best part is this is the preamble before shit gets wild. We can't keep letting him get away with this. <laughs> Next, I know. Uh, next episode, I will talk about the OK Corral because it is such a good fucking. It's it's wild. He can't keep getting like, away with this. But at the same time, we have been like, recording for forty five minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I yield my time. <laughs> I yield the rest. I yield my time. Floor. I yield my, yield <laughs> I, my time. I back. yield. I yield the floor. Uh, um, unfortunately, my story is also like kind of long, but I will try to steamroll it a little bit. <laughs> Okay. Um, I I'll do it. Um, so my story is called "The Queen of Yeehaw Herself." Hell yeah! Uh, oh, that's right. I just remembered the video I recorded this morning, and you're talking about our Lord and Savior. Yeah, I am talking about our Lord and Savior. So our <laughs> Lord and Savior is the Queen of Yeehaw and Broken Hearts tonight. My girl Dolly Parton. Um, Hell yeah! Now we all know her. Mm-hmm. Hell how yeah. could you not? Like we all know her. How could you not know who Dolly the queen? Parton is? Um, like, there's honestly no reason for me to introduce her because she's like arguably a cultural icon, and she has her own theme park that has like two hundred dollar apple pie <laughs> that I didn't get when I was in Tennessee because I didn't go to Dolly World. Why um, didn't you go to Dolly World? If I come to visit Tennessee with you this year, we're going to Dolly World. Yes. I I think I just didn't go because there was a lot of other things. Like, I had limited time, and I was like, uh... And it was expensive. Yeah. Um, and the only reason I wanted to go was for the pie. Okay. So, and the pie was expensive. And I think, like, it's only, you know... $19 a slice, but that's still a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. Um, so, but, you know, I think we all know, like, surface level about her, but tonight I'm going to sort of, like, do a deeper dive into, like, a, someone who is still alive, but is someone who is very much a part of American history. Um, so we're going to we're going to start off strong. Uh, Dolly's full name is Dolly Rebecca Parton. Now okay. you know how to call she, her out by her government <laughs> listeners. The, her government name. It's true. 
She was born January 19th, 1946. On Damn, the brother. banks of the... I know, 1946. World War II had just ended, and it's because she was born. <laughs> I have no... Um, no information Way to, to refute, refute that. that. Yeah. Listen, I'm just saying, you know, as soon as the new year hits, she's born? Suspicious. Uh, she's she's born on the banks of the Little Pigeon River in Tennessee, and the world needed something good to look forward to after we obliterated Japan, so here she was. Uh, she was the fourth of 12 children, and her middle name comes from her great-great-grandmother. Okay. Um, her great-great-grandmother. My great-great-grandmother her- comes uh, gave me my middle name as well. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. What, what is I'm it? I'm not gonna put that out there. I do not need people calling me by my government. In the <laughs> oh, okay. People where I work already call me Matthew, and that alone infuriates me. Yeah, That's I like. Fair. I get that. If you're like, I don't like being called my full name, and someone calls you your full name, it's fucking <laughs> aggravating. Well, it's not so bad and when it's like a seventy-year-old woman. And she's like, oh, Matthew. Matthew. And it's like, okay, that's fine. You're good. But when it's like one of the residents who knows that I don't like being called Matthew and they look yeah. me right in the face and go, hey, Matthew. And hey, I'm like, Matthew. hey, let's, uh, let's practice respect. Let's not do that before like, I break you. <laughs> I must break I you. I don't want to be called by my full name. Please don't government me. Don't government don't me. Don't government me. Uh, I am ungovernable. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. I used to, like, not tell people my middle name. I don't know why, because it's, like, not bad, and no one was ever going to use it. I mean, I can't say anything. No one, I don't tell people my middle name. I don't know why it was so weird. It was like such a trend when we were younger where it was just like, Ugh, I can't tell you my middle name. You have to guess. And it's just like, okay, well, that doesn't make you an anime protagonist. It like, made me one. What's your middle name? Like Orochimaru? Like, <laughs> my God. Oh, wait, I forgot. We still haven't done the Naruto yeah, deep dive. Nope, you don't know who I've that is. No clue. You've yeah, said sorry. words. Uh, <laughs> they sounded like fun I've said sounds. Words. 
I am going to say more words about Dolly Parton. Please do. So her father was a sharecropper in East Tennessee and then tended his own small tobacco farm and was also a construction worker. So he had a lot of jobs and he was still poor somehow. He couldn't read, but Parton has said that he was one of the smartest people she has ever known when it came to business and making a profit. And she also says that, like, her music ability came from her mother, who would tell her children Smoky Mountain folklore and ancient ballads from that were, like, passed down through her family because her family came from Wales. Hell yeah. Yeah, which I thought was super interesting. Um, Her family moved from where Dolly was born, which was Pittman Center to a place called Locust Ridge. And this is all still in East Tennessee. They're just like different like little towns. And her moving to Locust Ridge is where the song My Tennessee Mountain Home comes from. Um, Unfortunately, her dad had to sell the farm when uh, you know, when times kind of got hard, again, he had like 12 kids. Yeah. So I assume times were always hard. I don't see how that could like, be the case. <laughs> what? Having 12 kids shouldn't uh, make what? your life harder. It's I, a lot of mouths to should, feed, my it's dude. It's free labor, right? Can you imagine? Okay, look. It's just free labor. On a completely different note, could you imagine someone willingly having 12 children in today's day and age? No. 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 Having to put well, the 12 do. kids through college? Absolutely I don't know not. If the Mormon, do the Mormons do that? College? <laughs> I, I, maybe. I, like They go to Brigham Young University, I guess, but that's more like a dating center than an institution. Mormons, yeah. Mormons live a different lifestyle. I'm talking about the layman. I'm talking about any, the any normal person. Do you think, and I'm not calling, guys, I want to be very clear, because if you're <laughs> listening and you're Mormon, I don't want you to think that I'm trashing your religion. What I'm saying is that you guys, there's a whole different lifestyle that's different. associated with Mormonism. But like... Yeah, you guys yeah. are you're a different breed. You guys are a different breed. You get sent out away from home at like five years old, and, and <laughs> people are forced to call you elder. Um... Yeah, and you like soaking, and that's just weird. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, I'm just saying, like, so could anyone today afford having 12 kids? No, absolutely yeah, not. Yeah, well, I mean, <clears throat> I ca- apparently they had to sell the farm because they couldn't. Um, but when, she, when Dolly started making money, uh, she bought the farm back in the 80s and restored it with the help of one of her brothers, which... Oh, fuck yeah. I, what a good dude. I thought was really... <laughs> I know, like, I thought it was really cute. Um, but even the, so, you know, as you're sort of gathering, like, her family was not rich, even though she's, like, rich as shit now. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> she, like, her family was poor to the point where her dad paid a missionary doctor with a sack of cornmeal to deliver her. Oh, my God. Like... He's like, thanks for the baby. Loves the good old barter system. Yeah, I get a baby and you get some cornmeal. Thanks for your help. (laughs) That's the makings of a country song right there. Dolly! (laughs) That's me. God damn! We gotta write this down for her later. 
so the cabin <clears throat> that they also lived in was one room, and this is keeping in mind that she had like way too many siblings. So I also don't understand if the cabin was one room, how did her mom and dad keep making more siblings? I gotta be honest with you, but... industrial grade earplugs. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, maybe they stuck the cornmeal in their ears. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> Those kids just They're pretended. Just like, Those kids just pretended they didn't hear a thing. Well, especially like when they got to kid number twelve. But it was right? also it's like, like you got eleven other. It was back in a time when women weren't allowed here. to enjoy sex. Oh, okay. So it was silent. Silent. Completely silent. It was just Completely them doing silent. their duty. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. There was, like, absolutely no lubrication involved, so not even, like, slapping noises. So, the way that she got her start in music... Such a take. I'm, like, I'm not ready for half the shit that Megan says. Uh, I understand. I, like, you guys have known me for a while now. Um, yeah. The way that she got her start in music was actually singing in the church. She was brought the church. uh, She was brought up in the church of God in a congregation that her grandfather pastored. And at seven, she started playing a homemade guitar, which I don't know what that means. It was made at home. Um, They whittled it themselves. Like at a like out of wood or like a Kleenex box with like elastics. <laughs> they didn't have elastics like, at that time. That's I know rubber that's hadn't been stuff. invented. Rubber Yeah, rubber wasn't invented in the South. Clearly guys, there were twelve children. Uh, guys, I'm <laughs> guys, I'm joking. <laughs> rubber did exist. Cars were a thing. That's I'm not true. doing a ho- I'm not doing had- a history podcast and being completely dumb. Yeah, guys, the West had already devastated the Congo. Like, come on. Guys. <laughs> come on, guys. Um, <laughs> uh, and at eight years old, after her homemade guitar, her uncle bought her a real one. So at this point, she could get like better at music. And once she was really getting good, she started singing on a local radio and TV programs in eastern Tennessee. And by the age of 10, she was appearing on them in the bigger city of Knoxville, which, uh, since I've been to Tennessee, I realized, like, her home wasn't actually that far from Knoxville. Like, it gets pretty rural pretty fast outside of the city limits. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, like, it's it's jarring sometimes. That's the West. So, that's, well, the South... Yeah, no, the South. Appalachia. The South, the West, it's all the truth. Like, I don't know. It, it's all the, it's all It'll the same. It'll all do the it's same, the same thing. Plane. You leave a town and you're instantly in the desert. <laughs> yeah, you're instantly in the fucking woods. So at 13, she recorded a single with a small label out of Louisiana. <clears throat> and she actually appeared in the Grand Ole Opry where she met Johnny Cash, who encouraged her to follow her own instincts regarding her career and if i was a teenage girl hearing johnny cash giving me encouragement um i also would have listened to that forever yeah uh, because he has mm. he's has such a sultry voice because he's fucking johnny cash and like he's fucking johnny cash dude like what a legend yeah and so after johnny cash you know made her into a woman by mm. just talking to her 
Um, she graduated high school uh, in 1964 and then moved to Nashville because that's what every one who wants to sing country does. That you move to Nashville for some reason. Nashville, the country music capital of the United States, you know? The country music capital of the world. And her initial success was actually not as a singer, but as a songwriter. And a lot of her songs were sung by other people and made it to the top ten Damn. of country music. I know. Like, she's young at this point. Yeah. Like, she's straight out of high school writing top ten songs. However, when she signed on with Monument Records in 1965, they pitched her as a bubblegum pop singer because of her high voice. Oh, fuck that. They were... I know. And she immediately and, stomped on them. Well, she tried to. Like, she tried to push back, and she was like, well, everything that I've been writing has been country. I'd really love to sing country. And they were like, no, no. We are record men. We, we know best. No. Yeah, like, we know what's good, like, we know what's gonna sell. Uh, they finally relented when she wrote a song and helped with the harmony on it. She was uncredited, but after the song went to number six in the country, the label was like, oh, well, I mean, like, we'll give you a shot on the country. <laughs> um, I guess. Sure. And her first two songs went to, like, number 24 and number 17 on the country charts. So, like, that's not bad. No. <laughs> like, she's doing pretty well for herself, like, kind of out of the gate. And during the late 60s and 70s, she was on a weekly syndicated TV program called The Porter Wagner Show. Yep. And the audience originally didn't like her. And it took a while for them to warm up to her, and it was only with the help of Porter Wagoner himself that she was able to do it. And they did this when they started releasing duets together, and all of those duets reached the top ten. Yeah. Um, and this didn't mean that she was, like, an immediate solo success. For two years, she tried to release solos, and none of them were as popular as her duets, which was frustrating for, like, both her and, like, Porter Wagner, who was really trying to help her. Like, he believed in her. Mm. And it, w it wasn't until 1971 that she got her first number one signal single after years of recording. Jeez. But then... Jolene hits the airwaves. Hey. And people... Yeah, Jolene hits. And people went feral for it. Like, <laughs> As well they, they should. should. That song is a fucking bop. Ugh. I know. It's a also, really good song. If you consider how attractive Dolly Parton was back in the day, and even to some nowadays... I was about to say, you, you, how you terrifying, fixed that fucking statement. How terrifying I must know. Jolene have been? I know, right? I don't know. She's like... She was a biblically she's like a biblical accurate angel. angel. <laughs> I know. People are, like, falling on their knees, being like, Jolene, please. She was like, be not afraid, and then just blinding light <laughs> came from her. <laughs> I know. It's like that picture. Because, like, we sent that picture a while ago to the group chat of, like, Dolly Parton fucking, like, corset, yeah. like, back in the 70s. Yeah. Looking hot as hell. And you're like, she's hot as hell. 
and I bet she can make like like a mean pan of biscuits. Oh hell yeah! I bet. If she didn't come out I of the womb knowing how to make a mean pan of biscuits, pan of biscuits, I'd be surprised. I know, like. Uh, I just, like, don't know what she can't do. That's what she was doing while her parents were fucking... Wait, she was the last one, right? So... (laughs) No, she was the fourth! She was the first? Did I mishear that? No, she was the fourth. The fourth. My bad. No, fourth. Okay, got you. I don't know where the fuck I... She was, like... She was... She's in the middle, like, ish. Middle-ist. Middle first. So, she had a... Because yeah, then, there was, a of... then there was a middle middle <laughs> and a middle last. <laughs> <laughs> There's a, yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, so Jolene not only was in the top country 10, but it reached the top 100 and it charted also internationally in the UK. Damn. And this, this was around the time that she stopped appearing on the Wagner show, even though she like was still working with him in terms of music it was just time for her to take off by herself yeah and i mean like she was jolene was such a hit and in 1974 her song i will always love you went to number one and then elvis came knocking fucking elvis and fucking elvis i know elvis was just like i want to record it and Dolly was interested. I mean, it, it was Elvis, but his manager was like, okay, well, in order for Elvis to record this, you have to sign over half of the publishing rights because this is Elvis. Like, he wants to make money off of it. Because Colonel Parker was a fucking piece of shit. Yeah, probably. Yeah, that was his manager. Like, like yes. he was an awful human being. I know. Yeah, like, I was reading about him, and I was just like, this is, like, such a shitty thing to do to someone who's, like, just starting to make it big. Yeah. Like, and he was really insistent on it, and I assume the ghost of Johnny Cash, like, came down. It was like, don't do this, girly pop. Like, <laughs> don't sign away. Like, I mean, Johnny Cash was still the alive at this song. point. Well, his his astral projection. Yeah, he astral <laughs> projected from and was the like, don't do this. Yeah. Yeah, he came from the future when he was dead. <laughs> yeah. To tell her, don't do it. <laughs> oh um, so she followed Johnny Cash's advice and followed her instincts. And this decision is credited with helping her make millions of dollars in royalties just by the fact that she kept the rights to this song. Damn. And what's also interesting is that in 2019, Parton found an old cassette tape and realized, like, via the recordings on it, that she wrote both Jolene and I Will Always Love You in one night. Oh, my God. Shit. (laughs) Fucking divine inspiration. Yeah, she... So she's like, she's like listening to the set tape and on in the interview, she's like, yeah, that was a pretty good night, I guess. Jesus <laughs> Christ. And I was like, yep, that's a really great night, I guess. So in the 70s and late 80s, Dolly begins transitioning into pop. And it was during this time that she won a Grammy and pretty much all of her songs were getting into the top 40. Yeah. And she also never... Like, she was also, like, never not busy with TV appearances, interviews, and writing, which is... What is crazy is that, like, 
in the mid-80s when her record sales were still really high, her record label like didn't renew her contract after expired so she signed on with columbia and i'm not really sure why rca like didn't renew her because she was like at the height of her fame um seems pretty dumb so columbia sort of like it's really really dumb because like over the next few decades like columbia sort of got a lot of the sales that came with her like experimenting with bluegrass like her tours she wrote like a bunch of holiday albums like oh yeah uh, and if mariah carey can attest to anything (laughs) holiday albums will keep you in the business it makes a lot of fucking money um so then of course we have to turn to dolly parton's figure herself which we've already touched upon a little bit i Uh wish uh she (laughs) that was fucking perfect she she turned down several offers to pose nude for playboy but did appear in one of their costumes on the cover in 1978 so there is a picture of dolly parton in a playboy outfit bunny costume somewhere on the internet yes um but i think like when we talk about dolly parton we do think of boobs yes like yes how could you not uh yeah boobs are the things that you think about when you picture her and if you remember like when we were in elementary school there was a sheep that they cloned a while ago that they named dolly yeah and it was like one of the first animals that they had ever cloned and the reason it was named dolly is because it was named after her because they took the cell from like a sheep's like breast gland oh my god and that's why they called it dolly and there's also a bridge in mobile alabama called the dolly parton bridge because the arches look like her titties that's fucking hilarious that's great news i know oh and um there's a there's a battle tank that's also unofficially called the dolly parton because it has a thickened appearance (laughs) of the turret frontal armor Uh, and it it looks like her titties and the next and the next generation of the tank is called the super dolly parton the super dolly parton (laughs) it's called it's the super dolly parton mech oh my god um she does get a lot of plastic surgery saying it takes a lot of money to look this cheap (laughs) I I love her sense of humor (laughs) that is one of my favorite things about this woman I know she's like she's so like the whole time I was like reading about her she's like very endearing like she feels really genuine um, even though she takes she does look really cheap Mm. and she has also entered into a Dolly Parton lookalike contest and lost. Yeah. That is so that is my favorite thing in the world is like Christopher Reeves also did this when he played Superman. He entered a Superman contest and lost. And I think it's that, so that's crazy. Hugh, it's so Hugh Jackman walked around uh, Comic-Con and people were like you're a little bit too tall. <laughs> like like he was you, dressed as Wolverine and people you, were like you're too tall. Yeah, uh, great costume, but you're too tall to pull them off. Yeah, sorry. I just, I like, just think it's fucking mean, great tall? when that shit happens. I know, right? That, um, I don't worry. I am wrapping up. So, 
she also said that she's like also really honest about like what she can and can't do. She can play a lot of instruments, but she says that she's not good at any of them. She just lays into it. <laughs> she's like, I can do a. <laughs> if you can't play good, she's play like, loud. Yeah. Just yeah, right. Yeah, she's like, I just, I just fucking go for it. Uh, she also has diversified her like earnings portfolio in terms of like owning a lot of different business ventures, like in Pigeon Fours. Forge, which is like the Las Vegas of Tennessee, it's built up because of her, because of Dollywood. Yeah. And um, I've actually been to a show called Dolly Parton Stampede, which is a dinner show where they do trick riding and silk dancing, and there are bison for some reason, and you get a whole rotisserie chicken for dinner. Hell yeah. Fuck yeah. Yeah, it was great. It was amazing. So she also still acts and has been on TV and movies. She even tried to have her own TV show. She is married, and I think her marriage is, like, really endearing. Her husband's name is Carl Thomas Dean, and they were married in Georgia. He's a Tennessee boy, but he doesn't like publicity, and he's retired from running an asphalt road paving business. Oh, my God. (laughs) <laughs> like papa he's just a guy <laughs> and it, dolly has joked that he's only seen her perform once but she's also said that while it seems like they don't spend a lot of time together it's just that nobody ever sees him publicly he's like a cryptid <laughs> i love that for him that is like a vibe yeah it's such a vibe. He's just like, yeah, that's my that's my extroverted witch wife, and I'm just like, <laughs> just I'm just over here, man. Here. I'm just yeah. He's yeah. He's just like a household. He doesn't have to work, so I assume he just like does projects around the house. That's so fucking great. <laughs> like, I love that. Yeah, um, he does do really romantic things for her, like write her poems, and. Dolly has said that they are really proud of their marriage and that it's the first and last for both of them. Oh my god. And I Adorbs. I know. Adorbs. I know. They never had children of their own, but they helped raise a lot of their nieces and nephews at what and they all call them Uncle Peepa and Aunt Granny. Nice. Oh <laughs> and <laughs> I don't know. It's just funny. And she's also the godmother to Miley Cyrus. Yes, yeah. I knew that. And yeah. Yes, we knew that. And then to wrap it up, there's her, like, giving money to people. She is genuinely a good person dedicated to literacy through the Dollywood Foundation, most notably the Imagination Library that honors her dad because he couldn't read. So, like, she wanted to help kids learn. Yeah. Uh, and... What this does is it mails one book a month to each enrolled kid from the time of their birth to when they enter kindergarten, and it's donated over a hundred million books. And then, like, that's not even counting what she dedicates to, like, the American Red Cross, like, hospitals, cancer research, PETA, like, the American Eagle Foundation. She kind of does it all. Gave us a COVID vaccine. And I guess, like, I've already gone. Uh, Yeah, like... And I could see her and talk about her all night, but overall, like, the Queen of Yeehaw and the Backwoods Barbie, uh, like, <laughs> is something that we should all try to channel. Yeah. absolutely. fucking Lutler. Oh, she's so good. But I know. She's just so good. Like, her, her marriage is honestly so nice. Yeah. Like... 
I think about it a lot where like you can have a really fulfilling life and not always like be with your partner, but like meet at the end of the day and be like, hey, like, how are you? It's like it's funny, like you can be two very different people and still have a successful partnership. And I think that that's yeah, awesome. And like to show that very it, much, it is. you know. I know. I just I really like it. So uh, I know that it's getting late, like long in the tooth. So why don't we move on to to you, Matt? Oh yeah, great. I, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry, Matt. Oops. I've been I've been waiting for this all night. <laughs> I know. Uh, it's, it's only ten thirty. Okay. Shut up. I'm gonna do this. <laughs> shut up. All right, so shut up. I can't. as I mentioned in the recording that we sent out to Patreon, I have a story about rats, and I also mentioned that there might be two stories about rats. My notes have two stories, so I'm going to tell the two stories, but I'm also going to tell it fast because my friends, uh, my friends Talk ate up a lot. lot of the airtime. I love them. Oops. I know. In case you didn't know, we did. Um, we did eat up a lot of so it. So we have two tiny rat stories. Uh, sit down and enjoy tiny them, Tiny rat. Uh, the first comes to us from our least favorite place. Does everyone want to say it together? Uh, New York. France. 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 In the town of Autun in the year 1522... Um, the year before 1522, so 1521, had been rife <laughs> with uh, barley being uh, destroyed uh, by f- by rats. My story is about rats, guys. You don't. The French I don't, rats. You don't need Ugh. me to put these fucking puzzle pieces together. Um, now, a reasonable thing to do uh, when rats steal and destroy your barley is to move on with your life and plant more barley and just, just go, just go about your life. No, uh, but what happened, <laughs> what happened in 1522 is the people of this region of France decided instead that they were going to put the mice on trial. Trial? Like, yeah. Nope. Yeah. They were going to, they sued the mice. They sued. Uh, they, yeah. I mean, they, that's... I guess. To what end? <laughs> yeah, uh, right? That the end was uh, ex- excommunication from the church. <laughs> oh. Why are you saying it like you've done? Why are you? Uh, you're ashamed for them. I yeah. I feel that, that whole sentence is just so fucking cringe. <laughs> can you imagine? Can you imagine just being like? Can you imagine gonna, being so French and mice so cringe? Trial. We're gonna put mice <laughs> we're on trial. We're gonna put these mice. And they're gonna be. Gonna if, they, if they're guilty, we're gonna excommunicate them. Uh, From the, the church. And like the actual. And the mice are sitting there. They're just like, who's Jesus? The actual <laughs> term uh, was. It's like anathema. Anathematization, anathema, anathematization. Yeah, that. Um, anyways, that's the official term, but like essentially, it meant that they'd be excommunicated. Uh, is it bad so, that all I can think about is that fucking skit from like I, I think it might be like Funny or Die or whatever it is with like the the mice Jesus that they introduce in order to like get the mice out of the wall. Where it was like holy war, 
mice. Do you not remember this? I don't remember this at all. I I will have to find a video of it and send it to you because it's if fucking you can ridiculous. please do because it sounds delightful. <laughs> yeah, the, um, the basic so premise he, is they introduce it. They introduce a mouse Jesus, and then later they introduce uh, an like an uh, like an Allah Jesus, an Allah oh, yeah. mice to other ones, and they start a holy war between two separate groups of mice and are like this is how we get rid of our rat problem that's hilarious <laughs> it's awful but it's funny <laughs> um so it's important to note that we here at what the fuck history have talked about farcical trials before where they put something on ob like an object or an animal or something on trial um just because it would make people feel better and this is a lot like that, uh, but this one's different. And I'm gonna give. Do you guys want to guess how this one's different? Because they actually went through <laughs> with it and, and they meant it. Uh, no, it's different in a different way. Megan, do you have a guess? <laughs> I just like how embarrassed you sound. <laughs> um, have a guess about? Are, are they just are? Are they just gonna execute them? Uh, no, this, um... This Did they lose different. the trial to the mice? This one's different because they gave the mouse... They gave the rats a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> if you give a mouse a cookie and if you give a rat a lawyer... I can't... I just... I... It fucking hurts to say. <laughs> like, it's... It's like one of the most embarrassing things I've ever heard. Oh my god, they put the rats on trial and then gave them a lawyer. <laughs> um, like, oh, <laughs> you don't have to do that. So they didn't have to. The official, uh, the official thing: the rats were accused of feloniously eating up and wanton destruction of barley crops. And as I mentioned, should the rats be found guilty in the case, they would be excommunicated from the church. Um, the lawyer that was appointed to the case, uh, I don't really know French, and I don't know how to pronounce this, so I believe his name is... <laughs> These are terrible French jokes. His name is like... Uh, I guess it's probably like Chassanoy or something like that. It's C-H-A... S-S-E-N-E-U-Z. I don't know how okay. to speak French. And if you do, keep it to yourself. Uh, <laughs> so a date for the trial was set, um, and it was determined that uh, most of the town assumed that the rats would be tried in absentia because, because the rats oh, okay. were not going to make it to the court. <laughs> um, anyways... <laughs> So they deliver like a little notice outside of their like rat yeah. holes. They're just like, you have to show up. So the date of the trial comes and the rats didn't show up. Uh, Jokes on you. Mr. Cheddar Esquire comes in the courtroom. Mr. Cheddar Esquire. But their lawyer. Yeah. Uh, makes a motion. Uh huh. And the motion is this. Because the rats who destroyed the barley presumably ventured from all over the place, 
He said yeah. that there was no way that the rats had heard, had been given enough time to hear about the trial, and a better That's effort true. must be made to ensure that the rats could appear for their day in court. <laughs> Yes. Oh and my god. So, yes, and this, so the court adjourned. This sounds fair. <laughs> and they might have ever to broadcast the trial. <laughs> Are you going to be able to finish this? Uh, so they made a wider <laughs> effort for the next like three weeks to broadcast the trial date with town criers, with posted notes. The new date arrives. Mm -hmm. The rats are still not in attendance. <laughs> the lawyer makes another motion to declare that accommodations need to be made and protections secured for the rats that need to move about the country fleeing from hostile, uh, hostile forces that are ready to pounce. Uh, he essentially said that the court wasn't doing enough to protect rats from showing up because they would be attacked by cats on their way to the court. <laughs> um, and Zach, your guess was not that far wrong because this guy gets the, gets the trial thrown out. Bruh, he's, he's the best lawyer ever. <laughs> He's the best lawyer know, France his, has. Honestly, his talents are, like, being wasted. It's, uh, yeah. No, I mean, he did go on to have a prolific law career, but this is... That's so fucking good. Um, oh my god. I, think I don't know. what's crazy is that the French are more... The French in the 1500s are more fair in their justice system than the American justice system today because they, like, literally the courts will be like, you have to show up tomorrow at 7 a.m. before the courts open up. That's where your trial is. If you can't make it too damn, too damn, too bad, damn bad, we don't care if you don't have a car or a lawyer. And meanwhile, these people, these people are like, I don't know, man. Like, the rats, the rats just don't know. The rats could not make that, it. The rats cannot make it, Oof. all right? We, we need to... Let them know. Can anyone speak rat here? They need to have like an armored escort. They need an armed escort. Like an armored escort because the cats, the cats might get them. What I, what I really loved about this is as I was doing research and I didn't like see any quote for quote, but he described like the nature of the enemies that these rats had all over the place and like did not name cats as their enemies but did describe all of like all of the things that a cat would be oh my like God. these cunning agile waiting in the shadows to like pounce on the rats um so yeah that's my first rat related story about how a frenchman got a bunch of rats acquitted for a crime that they definitely committed um, the, the second rat related story comes from the second world related war okay I'm so happy about that line that was such a good joke um, it's like... in 1941 uh, there was a plan by British special operations executive who had procured some dead rats around a hundred of them um, okay the okay. rats were gutted and they were stuffed with plastic explosives. Oh, God. And the plan for these dead rats, or rat bombs, is that uh, they were going to be placed in places like um, 
factories, power stations, or trains. Basically anywhere that you would use a boiler to uh, run the facility, essentially, okay. or run whatever it was. The point being, or the, the purpose being, that most of these were coal-fed at the time. And so it required okay. people to, like, shovel in coal. And more often than not, if you found a dead rat in on a train, in a power plant, whatever, in a factory, you just shovel it into the Wherever, boiler yeah. to just get it out of the way. Like, you're going to um, kill it. You're going to get rid of it anyway. I might as well just fucking go. Yeah, you yeah. might as well just toss it in the in the uh, the boiler. So the plan was that with the plastic explosives inside the rats, the fuse on the rats would then get lit by the boiler, and it would cause an explosion that obviously won't kill anyone nearby because rats are only so big, and they can't, like, stuff the thing to the brim with plastic explosive without it looking really suspicious. So... Their hope was that when the rats exploded, it would cause the boiler itself to then explode or like a leak to start and then the boiler would explode, which would cause much more devastation. Not only that, but it would then disable whatever they were targeting, yeah. um, I guess. Um, so... Like I said, the targets of these attacks were planned to be anywhere that a boiler was used and the hope that it was going to impact um, Nazi infrastructure and things like that. Classic. Unfortunately, Classic. this plan did not work because the first shipment of rat bombs uh, got yep. intercepted by the Germans. Uh, sounds right. And okay. Instead okay. of being able to blow boilers up with these little rat bombs, what ended up happening uh, is that the Germans brought these rat bombs back to, like, high command, Nazi high command, and they were like, look at what these people are trying to do. Um, which in turn led to every single rat being considered, or every single dead rat being considered as, like, a potential a, a rat bomb. bomb. So the Germans treated every rodent problem like it might have been a bomb <laughs> with extreme prejudice. Yeah, and the uh, the British special operations said that it worked way better than the bombs would have. <laughs> because essentially what it turned into was like a distraction tactic where they're like, they're inspecting every dead rat before they're like throwing it into a boiler or doing whatever they would with it, so. Which honestly is a massive use of resources. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So, um, I apologize, Zach. You'll probably have to edit this later. I am going to blow my nose. That's fine. Anyways, those were my rat-related stories, and I figured I would do both <laughs> of them at once because one of them was small enough, like this last one was small enough to be like, um, like a miniature history. But yeah, I figured since I was telling one story about rats, I could squeeze a little one in the in the end yeah, there. Yeah, fuck yeah. 
Fuck and yeah, a baby. Little extra rat, a little extra rat story never hurt, you know? A little extra rat story never hurt anybody. Yeah. But yeah, those are honestly those are my stories. The first one was so funny. The first one Dude. was I have I need you to know that I had literal tears. Dude, in you my were eyes. cracking up so fucking hard and I, I was like, could How not could you breathe. not breathe? I felt How could you not? I I feel bad. Like, I felt ashamed I'm, and then the shame turned into pure giggles. Why why I feel bad? Because that is so funny. I feel bad so that it was good. the French that did it, if I'm honest. <laughs> All right, fair I enough. I don't like they knew what they were I don't doing. like giving the French credit. <laughs> fair enough. Yeah, that's fair actually. There's one Frenchman that I give credit to and it was that mime that helped get kids out of uh Nazi controlled France and Oh yeah, 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 in yeah World the War soccer II, and that's mime. that's about it, but this guy is a I mean a close second. He's up there. For sure. Because he got rats. Off. He got rats off trial. That's so fucking funny. Like, we have I, to I, add that last bit, because if we just say he got rats off, this is a very different story. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Anyways, we've come to the part of the podcast where I begin to say an outro, and then Zach interrupts to talk about our social... Oh, there he is. <laughs> Uh, yeah, here I am talking about our socials. Um, well, thank you very much, folks, for uh, listening to our lovely episode. It did go a little bit long. We were a little bit extra tonight, but you know what? Fuck it. We're fun. Um, <laughs> you can find more of us if you like more of us. Uh and you should. We're pretty fucking fantastic. Uh, but you can find more of us on all of our social media. You can find us on Facebook if you look up the Triumvirate Productions. You can find us on Instagram at the underscore triumvirate underscore productions and you can find us on patreon at patreon.com slash triumvirate productions where you can get all of the extra fun things like bonus episodes uh unedited episodes and just generally more of us because you get a whole other social media feed that like is only available to patreon listeners um but yeah so you can find us on all of our fun little social medias we have some exciting things in the works that if you're a patreon you get to hear before everyone else so stay tuned you know Stay tuned. Yeah, <laughs> that's that. That's all. Anyways, I got. guys. Anyways, guys. I'm gonna I'm gonna do the next bit of the thing. CD, do you want to? No, she's sleeping. Sleep. She's sleeping, so I have to be quiet with this. What the fuck, history? Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. <laughs> 